from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. Ben Grant joined as always by JB as we get you set for the 15th and final meeting of the season between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and your Toronto Argonauts. Before we get into the podcast today, I've got a a really big announcement from Something in the Water. I'm hoping that you'll be able to join us this weekend because on Saturday, actually there's two announcements here. So on Saturday, pregame, Something in the Water Brewing has got a lot of stuff going on. There's hot dogs, sausages, sandwiches available, but you can also get pint glasses of Longboat Pale Ale. Longboat is the the beer dedicated to fans of the double blue. Of course, you've heard us talk about Longboat all season long, but they've also got the Longboat beer mug. And that is going to be available not only for purchase, but there's going to be some sort of deal as well where you can buy a 20 ounce Longboat and it comes in the mug that you can keep. So you got to get down there for that. Enjoy a Longboat. Keep the mug. Purchase the mug separately if you want to go with something else. They've got a ton of award-winning beers. Enjoy a hot dog, sausage, whatever it is. You got to get down there. And then to tie into that, we are giving away a, a a longboat beer mug. And the way to enter, all you've got to do, you go on Twitter or X, go to the X's and Argos account, and we've tweeted out our contest with the a picture of of a can of longboat and the longboat beer mug beside it. All you got to do is retweet that tweet. And you are automatically entered. We're going to do the draw Friday afternoon and you could win that Longboat beer mug. So lots of things going on with something in the water. Hope to see you down there pregame. Just steps from BMO Field. It's in Liberty Village, 151 East Liberty Street. A great place to go pregame. Enjoy an award-winning beer and get yourself a hot dog while you're at it. So something in the water brewing. Make a make a plan to, to be there Saturday. JB, huge, huge show to talk about. We've we got so much stuff going on. We've got we, we have everything from, from birthdays to, to pinball extending, which was a huge news. Mickey Donovan extends, and, and that was a big piece of news before pinball extended his deal. Uh, the guys went to visit Holland Blue Review. We'll talk about that a little bit. Boris Beattie passing the thousand point mark, which we can talk about. AJ Olette doing amazing things once again, this time not in the wrestling ring. Plus we wanna come up with a plan for rest down the stretch. And we've got our usual assortment of goodies, including the injury reports, game preview, OCDC, one thing, predictions, put me down for 20 and CFL picks. All that more is coming up on this episode of the Exit and Argos podcast. JB, let's get into things. First of all, right off the bat, Happy birthday, JB. You have a you have a remarkable birthday, and I, I know you um I know you're excited that you share your birthday with <laughs> Wyndon McManus, Deshaun Amos, Curly Gittens Jr. Uh yeah, we, didn't, I mean, we didn't know that until today. Pretty amazing, really, when you think about uh, all three having like I don't know statistically what the chances of that would be, but you would think it would be pretty low. Yeah, not good. Uh, and then, and then that's so uh, you know, peek behind the curtain. I was telling JB we're going through our lineup today, and I'm like, hey, you know, it's these three guys' birthday today. And then I find out it's also JB's birthday. So that's uh, yeah, that's even even smaller odds for that. So yeah, pretty cool. The big news: pinball has extended. This needed to happen. I don't care what the cost is. Pinball's arrival in Toronto turned this franchise around. We remember, it wasn't that long ago, the 2019, 
was not a great season. It was our inaugural <laughs> X's and Argos season. It was not a good season of Toronto Argonauts football. Pinball arrived at the end along with John Murphy and they completely overhauled things. And it's everything's gone right since then pretty much. You know, they've they've clinched the East Division three years in a row. They won a Grey Cup. Uh, they're on pace to to set records this season. I have to imagine they just basically went to pinball and said, here's a check, fill in what you want uh, and uh, let us know. Yeah, I mean, he he is the face of the franchise. He is the heart of the franchise. Uh, you know, his knowledge and energy um, exudes throughout the franchise. I mean, it's, you just cannot overstate uh, how important he is to to the success of the team and and it, you know it it seems a no-brainer to uh to reward him and again it, it's a fantastic you know kind of nod that this is a team that is built to be good for years this is not a one-off let's win the great cup and then you know be in the in the hinterlands for five years this is a desire to be the Calgary Stampeders, you know, to be a, a perpetual uh, Grey Cup, um, you know, participant or or at least a threatener. So it's fantastic to see. I'm glad he's being recognized and, you know, no one would uh, no one would question it because certainly he is uh, he is the brains and the heart. And when you have somebody who is both, um, they're pretty important. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, he was on Overdrive today. There's some cool things, too. Every time, the amazing thing, he's got such an interesting life that as much as we've heard pinball talk in various different occasions, you learn something new almost every single time you, you hear pinball. Today, I learned that he was a Blue Jays fan before ever having heard of the Argos because he grew up in Dunedin, which I knew but I had forgotten about. My, my family had a, a place in Dunedin when I was a kid. And so I spent a lot of time down there. And I remember that sticking out in my head. But from decades ago, I hadn't thought about this in a long time. And yeah, hearing stories like this come up, I think are are pretty cool, too. So yeah, he's had, in a way, he's had Toronto ties since he was a little boy. So So that's kind of cool that he is now like basically the king of Toronto. And I can't think I, I can't think of anyone else like bigger than than pinball in Toronto. There just there just isn't. No, no. I mean, you're looking at uh, like Toronto. He, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's a throwback to obviously when the Argos had a little tighter grasp on the uh, on the city, and and you know the world was less content heavy and you know, it was easier for a team to kind of be important. So it, it is a throwback to those days that he sort of, his name still resonates the way, you know, um, not many would really like, right. you know, basically a couple of all-time leaves, you know, he's sort of on the same categories like Wendell Clark or, you know, Joe Carter. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty elite group of uh, Toronto sports heroes. Except what separates him is that he's still around doing stuff like yeah. at, at this level, right? Like, you know, those guys that you mentioned, like, they're, and they're great, you know, Toronto sports heroes that uh, all time Toronto legends, no question. But like pinball was a great cup winning player, one as a coach, he's, you know, doing what he's doing now. And, you know, he's at the, at the top of the organization and he's got one of the best teams in Argo's history. Like he's still doing it. It's been decades and decades of like top level involvement. So for me, that's what separates him from everybody else. So 
thrilled that he has been extended by the organization. Easiest move that, that the Toronto Argonauts have ever made. The other extension, unfortunately, almost lost this week was Mickey Donovan. And I really want to spend time, you know, we've got a lot to get through today, obviously, but I think it's so important to understand for those that maybe aren't aware of how important Mickey Donovan has been over these last two seasons. Toronto's special teams, even in their in the good season they had in 2021, they won the East. Uh, and of course, they lost to, to Hamilton in the East final, but they won the East. They had a good season. Special teams weren't great. They had a lot of punts blocked. There was, it seemed like every week, that's what we were talking about is the threat of punt blocks and, and things like that. Mickey Donovan came in. He didn't immediately transform everything, but he fixed one thing at a time. And last season, it was it was the punt punt protection. Uh, that wasn't an issue last year. And this year, it's been the evolution of Javon Leak in the return game. And he's now got Toronto special teams at the top of the league in a number of different categories. So this extension, I think, is is massive for the Toronto Argonauts. And you as a special teams guy know how important that role is. Yeah, and he, you know, he has absolutely transformed them. They, um, you know, <laughs> as longtime listeners know, I have often banged the drum about the punt return. And the punt return is elite. And the kick return is also very good. They... They have the lowest number of special team penalties in the league by far. You know, they, it, it is a very good unit. And it is, in my opinion, the reason that the Argos have been so dominant this year. Because essentially, I, I don't think this team is better than last year's team, except that the special teams are better. And, and therefore, you have a three-phase football team. And that's just very difficult to... To defeat and you know the special teams have essentially won the Argos a bunch of games that they would have lost last year. And I think often people that don't really understand the significance of a special teams coach think that it's player driven. And no, to be fair, a lot of coaching is like if you have great players, you are going to look like a better coach. That's there's no question. But with Mickey Donovan, I think what stands out to me is that I see the stuff that he was putting in in practice last season. And it didn't quite translate right away, but some of the drills they're doing, some of the things he's barking at them for during during reps. And I've seen that appear on the football field this season. Things like instead of instead of hustling to get down in front of a guy on on punt return, the the importance of that shifted a little bit. And now you see guys just kind of wanting to be up side by side and he's got returners setting up their blocks better. So he's got blockers that are beside the the defender not knowing which way the returner is going to go. The returner sees what he's got, sets it up one way, goes back the other way, and that's where a lot of these Javon Leak returns are that's where they're getting sprung is is that sort of technique. And that's stuff that I, I saw Coach Donovan going over in practice last season. And for, it took a while for guys to to get it and to buy in and, and to come around on it. But you see the difference it's made. So, yeah, he's been huge. He's had a, yeah. a remarkable season. You know, even statistically, you know, they're third in big plays and they are first in defending big plays. I mean, those are those are the reasons that the Argos have won lives. 
and continuity on a coaching staff, especially the coordinator level. I think it's I think it's going to be really hard to keep Coach Mace after this season. I, if I yeah. were any organization in the league, he'd be my number one candidate for a head coaching job. So you're, I'm expecting turnover there for next season. Yeah, but he may be he may be Saskatchewan bound. Somewhere bound. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I think it might be closer to home, but we'll we'll see we'll see how <laughs> we'll see how things go. No, no, I don't know. We could debate that. I I can't see. That's an off season topic. We'll I can't we'll, see I can't see Ottawa changing already. Oh, I was going even closer to home, but okay. So uh, let's let's get to let's get to uh, the the other two coordinators, Coach Dinwiddie. We know he's going to be around. He's he's uh, signed as the head coach, and you've got the special teams coordinator now. So it's huge. You've got these guys in roles. That consistency. Uh, helps the success of organizations. And it's something that the Argos have struggled with at times during the past. There's been a lot of turnover and they're very lucky to have been able to keep the number of coaches that they've got. For a winning team especially, you don't typically get to keep guys around. And and they really have. And they've been lucky or skilled in the guys that they found to replace guys who have moved on. So I think that's that's a huge move, Mickey Donovan coming back. Uh, this week, the Argos went to uh, Holland uh, Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital. Awesome to see this. We see how much work they do with Holland Bloorview every year. To- over 25 players went down, pinballs down there as well. Chad Kelly, Sean Oakman, dozens of Argonauts down there distributing gifts to the kids, uh, taking pictures, signing autographs, you name it. I love seeing their community involvement like this. And and they do a good job talking about it on social media. I wish it was picked up more by mainstream media because they do so much stuff like this. Like Holland Blue Review is an amazing facility. The stuff they're doing there is is awesome. And for the Argos to highlight that and show that the work that's being done at Holland Blue Review, but also to show the amount of time that they're putting into things. And we talk, it seems like every week we're talking about an initiative that the Argos have, whether whether it's, uh, you know, Food Bank or, or Holland Bloorview or whatever else it is. Every week they're doing something. And I wish this got more attention because the amount of time this team puts into the community is above and beyond, I think, what, what any other Toronto team uh, is doing. And, and I think it, it unfortunately goes unnoticed for the most part by the mainstream sports fans. Let's get into... Our uh, Boris Beatty uh, highlight section here. So Boris Beatty over a thousand points on his career now with his uh, field goals and extra points last week. 25th all time in points scored. 25th guy to hit the thousand point mark as well. He's uh, only a, a few points away from from uh, Big Z's at an uh, indecision. So, uh, you know, he's, he's going to keep going. Obviously, he's kicking at a really high level as well. He's going to keep moving up that ladder. My question for you, though, JB, is having seen him return to both punting and kicking duties, has he made himself a case to be sought after maybe in the in the offseason for a punting, kicking specialist, a guy who can do both? He, he'd done it before for you know pretty much his whole career until last season. We know how good Haggerty is. Should Boris Beattie be a kicker and punter in the CFL? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, certainly, I would be in favor of Toronto keeping him. Uh, he is fantastic. He is, you know, he has absolutely been one of the reasons that the team has turned around. In my opinion, I mean, we twenty nineteen was a terrible kicking year. Um, so 
Yeah, I I think Haggerty has been great too, and I think that was an interesting, um, I won't say experiment, but the, like that has been good. I think that that has made sense. I know why they brought him in to be more of a specialist, and and you could probably point to BD's improved um, field goal percentage. Maybe you know, maybe not having to do both has helped him, but he certainly is capable of both and and has shown that. So I don't. I don't see any reason why, you know, if that's what he wants to do, the Argos could uh, could let him do that. I, I certainly hope that they keep him. I don't think you should let a player like him uh, leave. And the tough thing with a guy like Beattie is that if someone wants him as a kicker punter, it's going to be more money, right? Like you're going to pay more money to a guy who's doing both jobs than you will for a guy that's just doing one or the other. And usually your contract structure will, will take care of that where – uh, they've got you covered, so they can't, you know, bring you in as the kicker, and then suddenly, oh, you got both responsibilities. And so, the question would be then, and and it's such a, like they they need to keep John Haggerty. He's such a good punter, and so it's. I think it's going to have to be one of those things where Beattie really wants to stay, wants to be an Argo, and I can't see them, you know, in terms of global players. Like John Haggerty is fantastic. He's he's a, as good a punter as Boris Beattie is. Haggerty is better. And so to have both of those guys, and we know the relationship they have is great. The the punter holder, kicker holder dynamic is is fantastic as well. So I would love to see the Argos find a way to keep both. I think that one is going to be, I think that one's going to be difficult um, when when contracts are up because I, I do think there's a tremendous value for other teams for a guy who can only take up one roster spot and handle both of your punting and kicking duties. It'd be a team who doesn't use a kicker punter for a global spot, and they want to bring him in instead to do both jobs and save a roster spot. Um, it's not really a money save per se, but it's, it is a roster spot save, and that's huge. We know what injuries are like in the CFL, so that's, that's a massive thing. So we'll see, again, off-season topics coming up, but he hit that mark. I figured we'd better talk about it. AJ Olette does another superhuman thing. And initially, <laughs> initially nobody noticed because I think the CFL is so used to AJ Olette doing amazing things every week. And so I saw this tweet go out this morning, I think it was, of AJ Olette squatting 635 pounds. This and the visual, again, you gotta you gotta get on there to see it. Uh, the CFL put it out, I think, as well. Uh, I retweeted it, too. He's got 12.45 plates on the bar and then capped by two 25 plates. And you've got uh, three uh, Argonauts surrounding him as spotters because it takes a, a team to spot an effort like that. This is a this is a, a superhero move to squat 635 pounds. He's a running back. Running backs do not lift that much weight. And I'm not I'm not one to encourage finding your one rep max in season, but I think AJ Olette knows exactly what he's doing. Obviously, he's he's a gifted personal trainer, knows his body better than anybody knows anything. So uh, I'm not worried about it in that regard. But it was just it was amazing to see him do that. So to go from from wrestling to the things he's doing on the field to now 635 pounds squat like people people went crazy about shy ross doing his flip and dunking the oreo in the milk this is this is twice that uh, but <laughs> wasn't getting the same uh wasn't getting the same uh, looks didn't go, go quite as viral but uh, he deserves all the attention he gets from from that video 
JB, what's the rest plan going forward? The Argos have clinched. There's still a third of the season to go. The difficulty is the salary cap because you, unless you put guys on six-game injured reserve, like you put them on the six-game injured list, that takes them through to the rest of the season. But that's the only way that you can actually make this easy in terms of salary cap. And they do have guys banged up, but not you don't typically want to lose guys for the last six games of the season. That's not ideal. Some guys, I think they're going to have to just because they are that injured. They need to recover. But it's going to be a tough salary management thing because how it works is if you're on the one game injured list, your your cap, your your cost still ca- counts towards the cap. And so if you bring practice roster players up, well, you have to pay those guys, but you're also counting on the cap the players that you've got on the one game injured list. So it's not like you can... Like you can, but if you if you took out your whole team and replaced it with the entire practice squad, it would send you way over the cap. You can't really do that. So, so what is the plan going forward? How are the Argos going to find ways to rest guys and be creative over these last six games? Or do you think they shouldn't do that? Do you think they should just full steam ahead and let's let's play it like we're like we're still fighting for the number one spot? Yeah, I probably lean more towards that. I think in this unusual situation, you can't you can't shut down a team for for four or five weeks. I, I mean, I think you know sports is filled with number one seeds being knocked off the first week because of rust. Uh, I think you, if a guy is eighty five percent, then you sit him. You know, you let you let everybody who plays be one hundred percent when they play. So that changes the equation a little. Uh, for me, though, I, I think you have to play it. I mean, maybe you take guys out in the second half um, a, a little faster than maybe you would, but I think you have to. You got to play football. Uh, you can't. You can't take <laughs> two months off uh, and then fire it up for the playoffs. I think you you rest guys who are not hurt or who are maybe hurting a little, and everybody else you play and you know you just have to play it, it, if, if guys get hurt i mean that's just that's just the nature of football sometimes guys get hurt on the second play of the game sometimes guys get hurt you know doing a non-contact drill at practice you know there's 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 not necessarily any you know way to hide from an injury i mean most injuries in professional sports are not predictable if, you know, if they were they would have less of them you know like whether it be Achilles or, or 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 quad or soft tissue or whatever, these things just happen, and uh, I'm I'm not worried about hiding from it. I think you you probably gear down in second half so if you're up, but other than that, I would I would play full steam ahead. I re- I really would. The guys are, you know, the guys are built for this season. That's what they were built for last year. And the last game of the season, you probably give guys a rest, which is normal. Uh, but other than that, I would I would go forward. The guys I'm most worried about who I think I want to try and find ways to rest as much as they'll hate it, because I know all these guys will, will hate it. Adarius Pickett, I want to try and I want to try and have guys get reps for him. You dress him still, you know, you know, send him out there, start him, um, play him. But really heavy substitutions. One of the reasons is, as we saw when he was injured in in Calgary, they don't have a replacement for Darius Pickett. And so I think that provides you an opportunity to start finding that. Is it Qantas Stiggers? Is it, would it be maybe Maurice Carnell if he can come back down the stretch? You know, things like that. 
play around with guys and see yeah, if you can I find mean, another Sam. That's kind of the Nick Nurse idea, right? Where, you know, during that right. regular season, he really was playing with different lineups and, and trying to win, but also being in a laboratory. And I think that's a terrific idea. I think you're 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 not playing not to win. You are playing to win. You know, you're not going to suddenly try BD at defensive end or something, you know, clownish. He would love but, that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, you know, but you are trying different looks. You, you know, maybe, maybe try out some different things in terms of, uh, you know, maybe some different combos or a couple of different zones. Maybe try different front, try different. Yeah, I think you, you definitely have more auditions to see, you know, who might be able to play rush end or who potentially can be your backup uh, field half and. You know, you don't have a lot of things to play around with, but I I do agree. I think now is the time to to start developing that uh, that depth chart at a couple of different positions. And the other two guys, Chad Kelly, obviously that you know, because Chad Kelly is, is the season, right? He's the one guy who is the season. Adarius Pickett is valuable as he is, and he might be the second most valuable guy on the team. I don't think he's the season, so. Chad Kelly, like how much how much rest you get him? Like he's he's fighting for he's fighting for MOP honors. He's fighting yeah, I, for I, records. I, I think the same. I think the same deal. I think you you know if he is a hundred percent, he plays. If he's a little banged up, um, I think you play too. If he's hurt, then you sit him. But I think you you, you know you want your quarterback to play again. You can't you can't hide from this stuff. There's no you know you can. You can take four weeks off, and on the first play, there's a problem, right? I mean, I just think you, you, you are reasonable, and if you're up, maybe you take him out a little quicker. You got to have a quicker hook in the second half. But other than that, I think you want Chad to play. I think you know this is first year; he still has lots of areas to grow. So I think you want him getting reps, and you want him improving on the areas that. Uh, you know, that he needs to keep improving on. You know, he's not a 10-year vet. He, You know, he has lots to uh, to do, and that's only going to come from CFL live reps. I really want to get Dukes and Scott reps as well. Like, that <laughs> is are, needed. It's needed badly. You are more enamored with them than I. Well, they need reps. Like, it's not that I, I am more enamored no. with them. I both think, you know, I think they both have, have potential. But the thing is, you just can't go in. You can't not have them get reps and go into the playoffs like that. We wow. saw that Chad Kelly was needed at the end of the Grey Cup. And yeah, I, they, I, they just I can't just go cold. That, that I just think that change has to be a, a trade. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think you've got turkey. Uh, I don't think you've got turkey in the oven. I think you got tomato soup in the cupboard. I would like to see both Dukes and Scott get a whole game. That would be my strategy down the stretch. I think you rest Kelly for two games. I would like them to have a, each of them to have their own game somewhere down the road, uh, maybe in uh, Ajax or. That's, uh, I, I'm thinking like the Winnipeg game or something like that. Oh my god! You put no. one of them out there, and no. the last game of the season, you put the other guy out there for a full no. game. They can split the final game of the season that nobody watches. Ugh. All right. Well, we have slightly different strategies. The third guy, uh, uh, DeVaris Daniels. I think he's, as much as this has been a committee at receiver group, I do think he is crucial in keeping that unit together. I do think that he has stuff that the rest of the receiving group doesn't. I don't think there's anyone that can really be 
Devaris Daniels if he goes down. And whereas I think with every other guy, you know, there's not another Demonte Coke, so there's not another Curly Gins Jr., but I think the drop-off is less than what you get with Devaris. So he'd be another guy that I would go heavy into resting and uh, playing a position that does get hurt a lot. That inside slot, the boundary slot takes a lot of contact. Devaris, we see how brave he is and catches over the middle. He'll go up for, for anything. And so he's another guy I'd like to try and rest down the stretch because I think he's crucial for for the playoffs. So those three guys, I think for me, need to really mix and rest. Everyone else, you cycle through what you can, but understand like from a fan point of view, if you don't if you don't get why certain players are still out there, it's largely because the Argos, any team, is in a position at this stage of the season where you just can't afford salary cap-wise to rest everybody. It doesn't work that way. So that's why you're still going to see most of the starters out there in the six games down the stretch. Let's get to our injury report, JB. Uh, this is kind of a weird one. There's a bunch of guys coming off the sixth game for both Hamilton and Toronto, but most will probably go back on it again. But that's why there's a lot of names that appear on the injury list this week. So we'll look at the Argos first. So Darius Bladek uh, appears. He's uh, back up after uh, the last six-game stretch. And he was limited in practice both yesterday and today. I don't expect him to be brought back out because if he's limited, not able to go full still, I just think it's not worth the risk. I think you put him back on the sixth game, and I think probably at some point, if he's able to practice full or you feel he's at that level, then it may be worth, as we get close to the end of the season, testing him out again and seeing if he can go full at that point. Or if there's an injury along the offensive line, another injury along the offensive line, then maybe you you do that. So he's a guy to watch, but going limited two days in a row, I think he probably goes back on that sixth game. Uh, other O-lineman, Isaiah Cage, didn't practice yesterday, was limited today with a hamstring injury. There's no way I put Isaiah Cage out there this week. Uh, a hamstring injury, not able to go full uh, today, didn't practice yesterday. To me, that's an automatic, like at least let's let's sit for a week. And I probably would lean towards holding Cage out for a few weeks. Just I don't think he needs to go in the sixth game, but I think I would hold him out for a few weeks for sure just to make sure he's good. He's he's a difference maker. So uh, I think that that makes sense. Um, Shane Richards uh, was able to go full. Uh, Travion Tate went full. That's the O-line. Uh, defensive line, uh, interesting. Jared Brinkman was limited yesterday, went full today. Another guy that I don't think you should rush back, but man, was he missed. Uh, just the last few weeks where you had teams that were able to have some success running the football, Montreal last week, it would have been nice on some of those short yardage plays to have Jared Brinkman in the middle to just to shut it down. I would love to see him come back at some point. Doesn't need to be this week, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to go back on the sixth game. Uh, other defensive lineman, Dwayne Hendricks, wasn't able to practice today. Uh, listed with a leg injury, but didn't get listed as a non-participant yesterday at all. So that's kind of an interesting one. I wonder if something happened in practice. But again, if he's not able to practice today, well, whatever it is, sit him, let him rest. Uh, there's no need to get him involved right now either. Enoch Mwamba, He's due up again off the sixth game, but he'll probably go back on it. He didn't practice yesterday or today. Um, he's the only linebacker on there. Uh, Jamal Peters was limited with a groin injury. Another guy that I would sit. Again, they've got they've got answers. They've got things they can do at corner, so I would not hurry uh, to get him back involved. He's so important. 
And Cam Phillips wasn't able to practice yesterday or today. So another guy, I think, sit. Tommy Neal's been playing really well in that spot. So just go with that. Uh, Andrew Harris didn't practice yesterday or today. We saw him with that that knee injury. Um, looked like it was looked like it was better than we initially thought. He was up and jogging around a little bit on the sideline, but we haven't heard any official word from the team yet. So fingers crossed on him. But again, sit. You know that's fine, and he can he could go in the sixth game. That's fine. Like Andrew Harris knows what he's doing. I don't I don't worry about Andrew Harris being cold coming into the playoffs. Put him on the sixth game. Let him get to full health. They, they've got a ton of running backs that they can cycle through and and find ways to get AJ rest without having to be Andrew Harris. So yeah, I I have a feeling you're going to see a very busy six game designation. You might you might, and I don't think that's wrong. No, it's no, just, I think it's smart, but I I think. I think there's a very good chance that there are a number of players that uh, that they essentially put on there. Uh, Spencer Nichols able to go full. It'd be nice to see him get back into action. And then Maurice Carnell, the fourth, limited today. Didn't practice yesterday, limited today. He put out some pictures of him practicing. He's obviously getting hyped up because he can sense that he's getting closer. Our initial timeline that we heard way back in, in the spring was he was aiming for August. That was the goal, end of August. And obviously we didn't quite meet that, but there was less urgency as well. I think, you know, playing it safe, uh, you always want to play it safe with a knee injury like this. And so he is getting very close. And maybe that's something that we see sometime over the next few weeks. Maybe Maurice Carnell IV is, is brought in and there's a player that I want to see what kind of difference he can make at the halfback spot, maybe trying out a little bit of Sam as well, just in case you know, as an insurance policy for for Pickett. But we remember how valuable he was last season. So that's a huge add as well. For the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, uh, hard to read. They, they were so just like rewatching that Hamilton Winnipeg game. They had guys in weird spots. You know, you had two offensive linemen dressed as fullbacks. It was interesting strategy and stuff. But just look at their injury report. It's, it's a mess as well. Like Bo Levi Mitchell appears on there, but he didn't practice yesterday and today. His sixth game was up, but I think he'll be he'll be shelved again for, for the final six probably. Uh, Chris Edwards limited uh, at linebacker. I got to think he'll find a way to play. He didn't practice yesterday, limited today. If he can go at all, he will go. Uh, be sure of that. Uh, James Butler limited yesterday, but he was able to go full today. I expect him to be out there. Uh, Joel Figueroa, offensive lineman, who was, I think, was he? Yeah, he was dressed as a fullback last week, uh, did not practice the last two days. Uh, and I think maybe uh, Richard Leonard might be the other really interesting one to watch. They've had some injuries in their defensive backfield. If Richard Leonard can come back, that does change things a little bit from what you've got out there right now. Uh, and uh, I think it doesn't really affect my plans, but if, like in terms of my OCDC that we got coming up, but that is something to keep an eye on. All right, JB, game preview. I have not changed these standings in months. This may be the week. Hamilton, believe it or not, is tied with Montreal. How does how does this happen, JB? They are a well, game away from from being in a spot to host a playoff game potentially. Yeah, they found a quarterback. Um, you know, they have a pretty talented roster and they have, you know, quarterback who who kind of runs the gamut in between a game manager and, uh, you know, um, a hidden gem. Uh, he is clearly very smart. His pocket movement is is very good. His understanding of the offense, his ability to to fit it into windows is also excellent. Um, you know, he that, you know, he 
they found that and he has them going and the defense is um you know uh are are turning the ball over and giving them interceptions and giving Hamilton good field position they have a good kick return game i think they were always a good team they just didn't have a good quarterback and and now they do and he is very efficient um which is enough to make them <laughs> you know competitive in a in a relatively um I would say mediocre. I would say like uh, a a competitive league. The two guys that have really stepped up for them were not people I expected at the beginning of the season. One of them I hadn't even heard. Like I didn't know who who Powell was before the season started. Katz and Tonus on the defense uh, has been awesome the last few games. He's really coming to his own. He was a guy that I wanted the Argos to target offensively when Adelike first was injured. And Katzentonis has just turned into a monster at safety. He's he's one of the better safeties in the league right now. And I thought Adelike was that beforehand. So, yeah, he's been really impressive. And then Powell on the offensive side of the ball. Like, who who thought that Powell and Katzentonis would be what brought the Tiger Cats back? But they seem to have done that. The reason, one of the reasons I like having a podcast like this, JB, is that when we say things and the few times that we're actually right, we've actually got evidence for it. And we both liked Taylor Powell uh, from the start. We both thought he had something interesting because he didn't, we knew going in, I remember the first time he played, we were looking at him, we're like, well, this guy has no measurables whatsoever. He's got no arm speed. He's got really no mobility. He's not particularly big or, or anything like that. And yet there was something about him. He was smart. He was just not making mistakes, making really smart decisions. And we've seen him evolve and now starting to pick a little bit further downfield. And he's really found a relationship with Tim White too. And so that's helped elevate his game. And he's, like you said, he's a, he's a real quarterback. And so Hamilton's going to have some, they may have decisions to make. Like, are they really going to go with him if Bo Levi Mitchell and Schultz are healthy down the stretch, ready to go? Do you go with Powell? Yeah, I, I don't think you have a choice. I, I think, I think Bo Levi is probably on the sixth game, and then on the uh, on the Greyhound. Ooh, uh, it's it's going to be hard. I think. Like, I agree. I just think Powell's played really well, but that's a really tough decision to make. That's tough to sell to fans, and you are setting yourself up if you fail to look like the goat. Because it's so easy to criticize that move, and how often do we see coaches shy away from a move like that? Because they don't want, they know how easy it is to then point and say, "Well, of course, you started, you started this this Powell kid over Bo Levi Mitchell, one of the greatest of all time." Of course, we lost. Like that's it's such an easy turnaround. But I agree. I think he's playing at in a way that makes Hamilton scary. So I don't know. It's not our call, fortunately. It's time for OCDC. OCDC is brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. They invite you to experience Etobicoke's premier licensed men's grooming lounge for hair, face, and body care. They're celebrating 10 years in the Kingsway. You've got to go check them out. Just steps from Royal York Subway in the Kingsway on Bloor Street, Bloor Street West. Go down there, book an appointment, get a haircut, get a shave, get a scalp massage. Uh, they've got it all. It's a great place to go get your haircut. It's where I get my haircut. You got to try it out too. I promise you won't regret it. The business, barbershop, and spa in the Kingsway. OCDC, I'll go first, JB, with uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Let's start with, with, uh, with Hamilton. For offense this week, 
They had an interesting strategy last week against Winnipeg, and I think they should employ that again. They were using Dayton Black, the offensive lineman, the backup offensive lineman, as a fullback. I talked about that in in the injury segment. They had two offensive linemen out as fullbacks. I think they dressed like five fullbacks or something. But they were using Black as like a sixth offensive lineman, but starting him out of the backfield at times. It's really interesting. They had packages where it's black here. You've got Butler, you've got McAllister. You basically got two running backs and an extra offensive lineman, and they're passing out of those sets. And you're really able to max protect. Sometimes only sending three guys out into the pattern, but it worked really well. Hamilton's offensive line has struggled at times this year. Powell is a guy that, like we talked about, can't necessarily buy time for himself. And so by giving him extra time this way, eventually Godwin and White are going to open up. They're working together on the boundary side most of the time. That worked really well. So for me, I want to go right back to that. I want to buy time with, with that pass protection unit. I want to get the ball to White. I also think I want to mix in misdirection with McAllister, have him coming across on Jets. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't mind seeing him run some counters to draw attention with Butler. You know he draws attention, counter out with McAllister. There are ways you can use those those two guys together creatively while also having a, a great athlete and offensive lineman like like Black in the in the backfield too. So that's probably how I'd go at it. A very similar game plan to what the Argos just saw Hamilton do against Winnipeg. What is your defensive plan for the Tiger Cats, JB? Um, in, in terms of stopping the Argos? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say what Toronto is going to do. I would assume Toronto is going to, to even though like I'm for the starters playing, I think you're probably going to see fairly vanilla um, play calling. I, I think to some extent, you're you're certainly not looking to put a lot of plays on film so it's that's kind of a tricky balance um uh chad has shown that he can get frustrated so i think that you you definitely want to have um you know i think you want to have a man coverage and that single high safety reading chad and uh and and looking to to make those picks because he has shown that he can get really frustrated and he wants to push the ball down the field and he you know, it seems to to not necessarily want the checkdowns. So I think as a defense, you are going to give them the checkdowns, and you're going to, you know, you're going to play guys deep, and and basically, you know, dare him to throw the ball downfield. And you know, I think you're you're going to do that in the secondary is is allow the underneath because he he doesn't seem to want to take it as much yet. Um, and then from the run perspective, you know, with just Olette and without having Harris as a one-two, um, you know, I, you know, maybe McMahon gets a little more look, but I think you want to really kind of hammer on Olette. You know, he is the the engine of that team. The guys feed off him. The fans feed off him. Uh, he's the fourth quarter closer. Um, you know, physically, can you do that? Can you hold up against Olette for a whole game? Uh, no one seems to have been able to, but I think I'm definitely looking to to run blitz on first down, and I'm gonna you know have that deep shell and really dare Chad to to put together nine, ten play drives because he he seems reluctant to do that. Let's switch over to the good guys. And my offensive plan for Toronto, 
is uh, not as exciting as in some past weeks because I think there has to be a focus on keeping Chad upright. I think that's hugely important now. I also think there needs to be a focus on backfield rotation. I don't really want AJ Olette getting more than like six or seven carries. I think you use Adababoye, you use McMahon, you use Lee. Yeah, hundred percent. Like just yeah, cycle them through. And it's not like I'm saying don't don't play AJ. No, he starts, but I don't think he needs to be out there for entire drives. I think he gets a carry or two, put in put in the other guys. And I really want to see the other guys. Like I want to see I want to see McMahon. I want to see Leak. I want to see Adababoye. These guys have all showed shown promise, uh, and so. Let's see what they can do. That's So a part of my strategy is run heavy. I really want the Argonauts to run. Rely on the run this week. You've got the, the horses to be able to do it. Let's see what some of these guys can do. When they are passing, quick. I want quick game. I want, think like, think Tom Brady in his last year in Tampa. Like one and a half seconds, ball is gone. Like just quick reads. That's stuff that I want Chad to really work into his game anyway. He likes to create. His instinct is to hold onto the ball longer, to move the pocket if he has to, because he's looking deeper downfield. I want slants. I want speed outs. I want really quick hitters this week just to keep him upright. And I think they can pick on the the field side with Hamilton, especially with Tommy Neal. This could be a huge game for Tommy Neal. He's usually off to the field side. He's got great height when he extends those arms too. He's like 20 feet tall. And most of Hamilton's secondary to the field is, is pretty short. Between like Katzentonis, Woods, Lawson, and uh, Richard Leonard, they're all like five foot eight, five foot nine. And then you've got Neal who towers over them. Use that, you know, throw him jump balls, give him give him chances to go up and get it. We've seen that he'll go and make those plays. So whether it's boxing out or putting up jump balls and it's not just him. They've got a, a few different tall receivers they can go to. But I think he's a real mismatch for that field side. So that's my offensive strategy. What are you saying for the Toronto defense, JB? Uh, Powell is a, uh, you know, he's kind of the opposite in some ways of Kelly. You know, Powell wants to matriculate down the field, high percentage passes. Um, he's looking second level. He's really good at at finding that spot behind the linebackers. He wants to... Uh, you know, he, he's a smart guy. He's looking for the areas. I think the Calgary game plan, even though Mayer threw for a million touchdowns and turned into John Elway. Um, I still love that game plan. And I know it sounds counterintuitive. I want that game plan against Hamilton. And, you know, let's hope that there isn't some bizarre um bust heavy 500 yard five touchdown game from powell uh but i like that game plan i like that 10 yard and in absolutely smothering and challenging powell to to push the down the ball down the field like the flip of of kelly i think you challenge powell to move the ball down the field i think you you come up and you're looking to stop the run and you know if powell can 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 you know make long deep passes and you you tip your hat but i i don't think he can i think you want that 10 yard and in you want to hammer the screens you want all those quick little hitters uh you want to be on top of that and uh, and really see can can that line protect him against the 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 Argos, you know, sack exchange long enough for him to be effective down the field and uh, you know you're probably rotating towards white to, to make sure that he he doesn't kill you you know I don't I don't want to see white with 125 yards but uh that's what I'm looking to I know dig out the Calgary game plan it was a great game plan despite 
30, 34 points or whatever the Calgary put up. Yeah, Mayor looked ridiculous that game. But I agree. I know I like what you're saying. And especially rolling to white side because that like, he's been he's been fantastic and the Argos don't want like the Argos really while they don't necessarily need the win you do not want Hamilton hanging around right now I I don't know how you see it if I'm the Argos I don't really want to play Hamilton in the playoffs I know what Montreal is and I think they will show up exactly as who they are I think Hamilton's just one of those weird teams they could pull out just some strange result. They make me nervous. Calgary makes me nervous. Everyone else, like, I think I know who they are. I think they'll show up, you know, with the with the identity that we think they will. And with Hamilton and Calgary, you just don't know. And, and that frightens me. So I think you want to get rid of Hamilton, push them down, have them fighting with Ottawa, and let Ottawa get back into it a little bit. And I hope that Montreal can wrap up that second spot. So I think they got to take Hamilton out. It is one thing, JB. Uh, these are getting tough uh, because so many, so many of our one things uh, have either come through or are less relevant now. For me, mine is related to health. One hit on Chad Kelly. That is all the Argos are allowed to surrender. He gets hit once. That can be on a sack. It can be on a scramble. But one hit. That's it. From every other play. He's got to protect himself. He's not going to take contact. I don't even want him taking hurries and pressures. One hit. That's my one thing. What's yours, JB? Uh, mine is, I know we were singing the praises of specials, and I you know, I think I conflated some stats a little bit there, but the, the big play is, is the, the specials have been good, but they have had some issues on kickoff return. And, and some big plays on specials. Even though there are a lot of things they do really well, Hamilton is also very good at kickoff return. So for me, I, if I had one thing, I would like to keep, uh, I would like to keep Hamilton's uh, kickoff average under 20. Yeah, so I think that I'm... would be, that would be my goal. If, if, Hamilton, if Hamilton's kickoff return average is below 20, uh, I think the Argos win comfortably. And Hamilton has had some really nice returns against Toronto. I don't know yeah. what it is about Hamilton and Toronto, but for whatever reason, it has hurt the Argos. It's, so. it's the one area. I mean, I think it's the one area on specials that needs uh, some tightening. It's time for Put Me Down for 20. Uh, we had a little bit of a rough week last Ugh. week, but we'll, we'll try our best to make up for Ugh, it. Yeah. But before we get into Put Me Down for 20, I just want to remind you that while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, less fun if you are having weeks like JB and I, and that's why <laughs> it's important to do so responsibly. Set a budget, never bet more than you're happy to lose. And if you or anyone you know develops a problem gambling, you can always call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline, one 330 I was close last week to one of them. Uh, DeVaris Daniels touchdown at plus 175. It was in the end zone. It hit his hands in the end zone. DeVaris never drops the football. And that one just didn't come through. But that was, yeah, that was my bet hanging in the balance. And then I had Winnipeg minus six and a half. That was nowhere close. Uh, you had BC minus 14, which didn't did not they were lucky to get away with that game and and Harris is the first rushing touchdown that was always going to be a gamble but a bit of bad luck on that one so redemption time JB you're sitting at 53 golden fleeces I am back down to 314 and change uh let's take a look at what we got for this week so um I'll go first my my first bet 
I think the line is inaccurate in the Toronto-Hamilton game because I don't think it's taking into account that Toronto doesn't need this anymore. Now, they're still going to come out and try and win the game. I have no doubt about that. But it's different when you don't need it. Hamilton needs it. And they've got the line set at 10 points right now. That's going to come way down. I just think that this is going to be a tight game. Um, and that reminds me, we didn't even get to our score predictions. We're, we're out of order here. After this segment, we'll go into score predictions and, and cover that. But I think this is going to be tight. So Hamilton plus 10, I think that's, I think the Argos win. I think it is right down to the wire, a little bit like the Montreal game last week. And then with my other 10 Golden Fleeces, I like Calgary at, at plus 100. Calgary to win at uh, at even money. Uh, they are coming off a bye. I, I know Edmonton is the hot team right now. They're on fire. But I still think top to bottom on the roster, I think Calgary is a better team. And I think I don't feel comfortable with Edmonton winning their third straight home game. I just don't see, don't know if I see that happening. So that's good value for me. JB, where are you going with your golden fleeces? <laughs> my few, my meager fleeces. Um, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I, 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 I've given up guessing which running back is going to get the ball in the backfield. Um, I don't understand why BC didn't win huge. They basically just decided to win the game in the final two minutes. Um, so I'm going to open with uh, Toronto winning one to, from one to six points. Um, I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be close and, uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good odds on that in terms of uh, plus 350 for Toronto to win one to six. And my other one, God help me, involving the Elks and BC. Um <laughs> I have the Elks winning at half and BC winning the game at plus 600. There's no chance. Like Those are your two. No. Like, just why don't you put Ottawa in there as well? No, don't just worry to... about that. Those are, those are, those are my, all I've got are big swings. So there we go. Swinging for the fences. All right. I'm all for it. Um, let's, uh, let's see. So. Uh, yeah, you need you need one of these to cash in at some point. This, uh, we don't want a situation where you run out of golden fleeces and we have to re-up. I'll have to go to Mount Olympus and uh, ask for a marker. Predictions, JB. How does the Argos game end? What do you see this final score being? Uh, I do think it's close. Uh, I was actually leaning towards picking Hamilton, but uh, you know I didn't want to pick against Argos twice in a row. Uh, I think um, I think that uh, Toronto wins uh, 24-20. Yeah, I think pretty similar. Um, I'm going to go against one of those trends. What was it? They never win when they uh, 19, score. Uh, they're 1-42, I believe, when scoring 19 or less. So it's going to be this week. The Argos win 18-17. It's a defensive <laughs> battle, and they they buck the trend. They go Ar- against the stats. An Arbuckle special. An Arbuckle special, 1817 for the Argos. Let's get into our CFL picks to wrap this one up, JB. Uh, week 16. Yeah. Uh, it was rough last week. You were one and three. I was two and two. Uh, I'm at 38 and 21 on the season. You're 36 and 23 on the season. Still, we're in respectable range here, but we got to have a bounce back week. So Yeah, that was yeah, that was not a good week. Uh, um, weird, though. So Saskatchewan at Ottawa. What do you have? Uh, you know what? I'm going to take Ottawa at home. I, I still, um, <laughs> I still believe uh, that they that they have some pride, and their season is not over. And I don't think Saskatchewan is unbeatable. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Ottawa at home. 
it's like Ottawa is great until the final minute or two. Like they just find they, they play great for they looked outstanding last week against BC. And then as soon as you hit those final three minutes, they fold faster than Superman on laundry day. So I am going to take the Rough Riders. I think they will pull it out again. I think it's going to be in the last few minutes. BC at Edmonton. What do you think? <laughs> uh, well, I think Edmonton will be winning at half and BC will win the game. That's what I think. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, you have your bet. So you've already got BC. I, I can't pick against BC. I know, like I said, and I mixed up my BCs and Edmontons earlier uh, in the last segment. Edmonton is playing really good football right now. They are not at the level of BC. BC has shut them out twice this season. This is their third matchup. They haven't scored a point yet against BC. I know this is Trey Ford. I know it's different. I know Edmonton's hot. But I don't know if he's that big a difference. So until I see otherwise, I think BC wins this game. Maybe Edmonton covers, but yeah, BC wins. Well, TSM will support that as they believe Trey Ford is... uh... (laughs) <laughs> they love Trey Ford. The choice over uh, Chad Kelly. I, I saw someone say that. That's yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Odd. Montreal at Calgary. I have Calgary in this one. Like I said, I think it's really good value on Calgary too. Montreal having to travel, go to a difficult place to play off a a huge emotional letdown, and Calgary's coming off a bye. I think the Stampeders win. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, how did <laughs> Hamilton beat Winnipeg? How does um, anything happen? It, yeah, I, I, I don't think that Montreal is... Uh, I, I think it's going to be really close. I, I just have to pick Calgary at home. Um, I, I don't think Montreal is, is that talented. I think they're very well coached. Um, I think that Calgary still has enough talent. I would take Mayer as my quarterback if I had to choose between him and Fajardo. So I'm going to go Calgary. Yeah, that's going to be a tight one. Because it should be, another good, should be another good battle, though, this week after all the great games last week. And then we both have Toronto over Hamilton to wrap this one up. So, JB, <laughs> the last time, maybe, we get to see the Tiger Cats this season. Oh, my uh, God, Please. Please, the last time we have to see the Tiger Cats. It's a 7 o'clock start at BMO Field. We hope to see you there. And we hope to see you before that at uh, Something in the Water in Liberty Village. Again, it's 151 East Liberty, just steps from BMO Field. Make sure you get down there for some Longboat Pale Ale and a hot dog. And yeah, hopefully we get a chance to catch up as well. So that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast for JB. This has been Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Go Toronto Argos, go, go, go. Pull together, fight the fight.